You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Thank you. Again, just to echo what Michael has said, welcome to Grace. This is uh, the first of our six services here on a Sunday. And um, it tends to be the quieter one. A lot of people struggle getting, struggle getting out of bed early. But obviously you don't. So respect. Respect for getting out of the bed early on a Sunday. So it's good to have you with us. I want to welcome Cafe Church who are watching in downstairs on the live stream. Good to have you with us as well, Cafe Church. Obviously it's Christmas time. Um, just a couple of days away. This is the last Sunday of what is known as Advent or the lead up to Christmas. And I think everybody, wherever you come from in the world, will all have memories of Christmas time because it's a day that tends to stand out. However, it probably stands out for us more, those of us who live in the Western world, than those who come from other nations. So I was very interested in talking with a lot of our Indian people who were sharing that Christmas Day um, is just another working day in India, even though obviously Christians will remember it and mark it, but it's just a regular day. So we're all a mixture here, so many Irish, so many international. We all bring a different history with us, and we all bring different memories with us. And when I use words like coming together for Christmas, which is my uh, message here today, it kind of means a very different thing for someone who grew up here in Ireland or in Cork as to someone who grew up in India or South Africa or Nigeria or America or wherever. We all have different traditions and so on. So I want to perhaps bring you on a journey with me to try and understand where I'm coming from as I explain this, because I want to bring it all back to basics. I want to bring it back to the Bible and back to the message that is in the scripture about the birth of Jesus. Are you okay with that? So if anyone is getting irritated with me, um, tough. Because that's where I'm coming from. So we're going to look at that and I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be with us as we read your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you what I remember uh, about Christmas as a child. I can remember New Year's Eve was manic. Everyone seemed to be panicking to get the last minute food and gifts and so on in. And I obviously grew up here in Cork. But then once you hit Christmas Eve night, it was absolutely forbidden in the house I grew up in that you called out to any friends. It was only family. And then on Christmas Day, as a family, we'd have breakfast and we would then go into St. Augustine's Church on the Grand Parade to go to Mass as a family. And that was within an hour. And then we came back home for Christmas dinner. But again, you absolutely could not see anyone. You couldn't see your friends or go out or anything like that. You had to stay at home with your family. It was really strict. And the following day, which is St. Stephen's Day, we call it in Ireland, the 26th, is the day we went and visited our grandparents and cousins and uncles and so on. And it wasn't until St. Stephen's Day night, 
In Irish it's known as Lola Droleen, the day of the wren. Going right back to pagan times here where they worshipped this little bird, the wren, on the 26th of December. But until that night, you couldn't go out with your friends. And I can always remember my sister, my older sister, uh, who grew up with me in the family. She was very sociable. She just spent all her time out with friends. And to her, I can remember it was like a prison sentence. She couldn't get out and meet her friends. So for a lot of us here uh, growing up in Ireland, family is a huge thing at Christmas time. And one of the questions people will ask is, what are you doing for Christmas? Who do you have? And most people want to say, I'm going to have all my family around me. That's what kind of, that's the best answer you can get. But you know the reality? There's usually one or two who won't even show up. And all my family around me doesn't always happen. And some of us maybe don't have a family. And some of us are so far from our families, it breaks our heart. So what does the Bible say about coming together for Christmas? Because we can see an image that is an ideal about how your Christmas day is supposed to be. And then we can feel discouraged or disappointed if it doesn't reach to that level. So let's look at what happened during the birth of Jesus uh, in what we call Christmas time, coming together for Christmas. So I'm just going to go through some of the basic scriptures about it. And then just see how we can apply that to our lives. So most of you know the scriptures about the wise men, also known as the Magi. And we read about them in Matthew 2. And we're told that when Jesus was born, wise men came from the east looking for the one born king of the Jews. So these guys came, many of us think they came from, I mentioned it before, modern day Iran, that area. And they took almost a year to make this journey. So we know that these guys were very wealthy. They were incredibly wealthy. You couldn't take a year off work back then. I mean, I know today a lot of young people take a gap year. Let me tell you, there was no gap year in the Bible. Nobody was going off to Cambodia or Thailand for a year, um, a gap year. Only the wealthy. When we look at the Bible times, we got to think of third world. It wasn't like Europe is today, let's say. So you had maybe an extremely wealthy elite of about 1% of the population. And then the other 99% were just making ends meet. Sometimes they died in famine. Usually they just about made ends meet. So these guys, the wise men, came from the 1%. And they traveled all the ways to Palestine, to Israel, looking for the one-born king of the Jews, following the star. And when they finally found him and they saw the child with his parents, they bowed down, worshipping him, and gave him gifts. Who'll tell me what the three gifts were? Does anyone can speak a little clearer than that? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So frankincense, I was watching a documentary on the telly the other night, uh, is grown in a tree in modern-day Yemen, that area. So very rare. So they bought great gifts, and these were the gifts 
that would have sustained Joseph and Mary when shortly afterwards they had to run to Egypt as refugees and live for two years. So these gifts kept them going. So the first point I want to make very simply about Christmas time, about the birth of Jesus, is that from a financial or a background or a status point of view, Jesus Christ brought together the poor and the rich. Mary was in her mid-teens, Joseph probably early 20s. Usually the man was a bit older than the lady getting married. And so he was a carpenter or a builder. They didn't have a huge amount of money. They were the 99%. But the Magi, the wise men, were the 1%. So we see right from the beginning of the birth of Jesus, the wealthy and the poor are coming together. And it really is important that we grasp this because whatever way you study the Bible, let's say you're mathematical and you love numbers. If you look at the Bible from a numerical point of view, you'll see the same message written all over the scripture. You'll see the message of how Jesus Christ makes people equal and we all come to him on equal terms. If you're into colors and you look at the colors that are mentioned through scripture, again, you'll see the same message. You look at the Old Testament, you look at the New Testament, it says the same thing. So first of all, we see that the wealthy and the poor came together at the birth of Jesus. Not only that, we see that racially they were both different. Mary and Joseph were Jews, but the Magi weren't Jews. A lot of people think the wise men were Jews. They weren't. They were a totally different race. We think what we would now call Persian or Iranian. So they were Gentiles like most of us here. Gentile is a word that means non-Jew. And so here we see that racially people came together when Jesus Christ was born. Didn't mean that they had to become something different from who they were. They didn't pretend they were something else. But there was an equality before the birth of Jesus. And remember, this is all happening, horror of horror, in a stable, in a manger. So we see financially or status-wise, and then we see racially People are coming together at the birth of Jesus. You skip forward a few days and Mary and Joseph bring the infant, the Christ child, to the temple to be dedicated. And this would have happened for every Jewish boy. And they came to give thanks to the Lord for the birth of their son. And as they walk into the huge temple, thousands of people milling around the temple courts, an old man approaches them. And as Jesus, the infant, is in the temple, we read about two people. Luke 2.26, the Holy Spirit had revealed to a man called Simeon that he would not die before seeing the Christ. And in the temple, he took the infant Jesus up in his arms and he praised God. First of all, here is someone who is quite elderly. We also see that the Holy Spirit was revealing things to him, promising him something. Did you know that God makes promises to his people? And not only does he make promises to us collectively, he makes promises to us individually. I remember someone who got a cancer diagnosis many years ago. And shortly before that, they were quite young. They had kids, but they were only late 30s. And the Lord had given them a personal promise that they would see their children's children. 
And so when they were given a cancer diagnosis and they were perhaps looking death in the eye, they hung on to the promise of God that they would live to see their children's children. And that person came through cancer, hallelujah, and today has seen their children's children. Have you got a promise from God? Has God promised you something? And you know that you know it's from God. Maybe it's as you've been reading the scriptures. Perhaps it's someone with a prophetic ministry who's promised you something or given you a promise from God through their ministry. If you've tested it and you know it's from God, hang on to it. Amen? So here's someone who was obviously quite ready to go home and be with the Lord and pass over. But the Lord said, no, not yet. You will see the Christ or the Messiah. And so Simeon was in this crowded place and across a crowded temple court, huge courtyard. Obviously, he was moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, Mary and Joseph didn't arrive in with great fanfare with the infant Jesus. They weren't coming and waving banners or saying, here's the Messiah. Remember, if we read about Mary, she was quite an introverted person. She reflected a lot. She kept things in her heart and thought about them. Joseph, again, was a low-key guy. So no one was boasting or saying anything. They just slipped quietly in. Yet the Holy Spirit spoke to Simeon and he makes his way across a crowded courtyard and he picks up the infant. He had seen the Messiah, the Christ. And so he took Jesus in his arms and he praised God. And almost immediately after that, we see this older lady. There was also an 84-year-old widow called Anna in the temple. So we're told her age. She worshipped God day and night and came up to them, praying over the family and speaking about the child's future. So Simeon, who was almost certainly in his late 80s, if not older, and Anna in her mid-80s, are stirred Remember where they're stirred, brothers and sisters. They're stirred in the house of God. The blessing was in the house of God. If Simeon and Anna had said, you know what, I'm going to give the temple a skip now for a while. I'm just going to, you know, have a bit of time to myself. They wouldn't have met the Messiah. They wouldn't have had this. But because the rhythm of their life, the template of their life was to go to the house of God regularly and worship. In fact, Anna did it every day. That was her stage of life. She probably had the opportunity to do it. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so both of them, being in the temple, saw the infant Jesus and knew it was the Messiah. And so we come to another category. We can see that generationally with Jesus Christ we come together. The young and the old and the in-between at every different stage. I remember when I became a Christian almost 40 years ago as a teenager. I remember an old pastor here in Cork talking to me. <clears throat> and I remember he said, when it comes to Calvary, the foot of the cross, the ground is level. There's no high ground and low ground. We're all level at the foot of the cross. And you know, for me, the more I study scripture and the more I see the birth of Jesus, the ground is level at the manger as well. Hallelujah. There is no difference in that way. There's a difference, but not in terms of who's better or who's worse, who's more accepted or who isn't. So the color line is washed by the blood of Jesus. Who'll say amen? The male and female line. We're different. We celebrate different things. But that 
difference which says one is better than the other. That's gone before the foot of the cross and before um, the birth of Jesus. All of these differences are gone. The generational gap is washed away when we come to Jesus. Would anyone say amen? amen. Whether you're in your 80s or your eight, if you love Jesus Christ, we're equal before God. And we can equally be blessed. And then we see another group, and Michael touched on this last week. And Michael was speaking about how the shepherds out on the hills had this experience. Luke 2.9, a great company of angels appeared to the shepherds while they were in the fields, praising God. So the shepherds see this fantastic revelation of the host of heaven, the army of heaven, Thousands of angels. Remember, and Michael touched on it as well last week, shepherds were the lowest people in society. They were considered unclean. A lot of synagogues wouldn't let them in. They tended to be illiterate. They couldn't read or write. They didn't wash a lot. They were seen as the lowest in society. Nobody really wanted their daughters marrying a shepherd. They were what were sometimes, if you read in the Old Testament, referred to as the poorest in the land. And as Michael pointed out last week as well, shepherds, their testimony in a court of law wasn't really regarded at all. And yet it was before the shepherds that the angels of heaven appeared rather than Roman centurions or, as Michael pointed out last week, the Roman emperor or the local leaders or the gentry. It wasn't to them the angels appeared. They appeared to the shepherds and were told when the angels had told them about the infant Jesus, they hurried off and they found Joseph, Mary and Jesus in the stable. Here we come to the final connection I want to refer to this morning. And that is that when it comes to Jesus and the birth of Jesus, we can see in all of creation, those who are regarded as the lowest, who are the shepherds, come together with those who are regarded as the highest in creation. We can read, for example, in the Bible, Psalm 8 and Hebrews chapter 2, we're told that when God created man, he made them, he made us a little lower than the angels. So mankind is created on a lower scale than angelic kind. Human beings are not on the same level as angelic beings. So the highest form of created beings are the angelic type and the lowest form of human beings in that culture were the shepherds. And yet here at the birth of Jesus, just like at his death, just like right throughout his life, we see the highest and the lowest coming together on the level ground, hallelujah, standing equally, being blessed equally, being touched equally, and being encouraged equally. So the highest and the lowest of creation come together and the lowest from the shepherds was the culture rather than in God's eyes but we can see that they came together in that way you see it comes back to this old saying that's anonymous I can't find who wrote it but I love it people were created to be loved and things were created to be used this world is in chaos because things are being loved and people are being used if you really want to get to the heart of what Christmas is about, 
It's about the fact that it's about relationship, not about things. And when I look at Christmas today, I think it's kind of the other way around, isn't it, sometimes? It's all about gifts. What did you get? Mine, my coat is more expensive than your coat. The shirt I got is way more trendy than yours or whatever. You see, Christmas and the birth of Jesus isn't about that. There's nothing wrong with getting gifts, but it actually is about relationships. It's about relationship with God and relationship with one another so that we value people. Who are you going to be with this Christmas? Who's going to be gathered around you? Some people are very comfortable just catching up on something on the TV or whatever and having a day out themselves, but most people like to have family and friends around. Can I challenge you, and I speak particularly to the Irish people who grew up like me, where it was like a mortal sin if you spoke to anyone outside your own family on Christmas. Our family is far wider than our family. We share blood with a lot more people than those we have DNA with. We've got a spiritual DNA. Would anyone say amen? amen. Our family are the family of God. We're not just our immediate nuclear family. God is raising up people from all over the world, people who are a different age to you, perhaps a different race to you, maybe a different status, maybe a different class background, maybe you're not able to read very well, or maybe you're a professor up in the university. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, the ground is level, and he brings us together Maybe we can think of Christmas outside of the box of the tradition that we grew up in and see the fact that the birth of Jesus absolutely proclaims and prophesies and declares to you and to me today that the birth of Jesus Christ was about a whole load of different people coming together. Praise God for family. Would anyone say amen? God is the creator of family. God is for family. But perhaps we need to have a wider vision about our situation when it comes to holidays like Christmas and see, you know what? It's about our family, but it's about our wider family as well, the family of God. The big thing this Christmas is that you and I connect with Jesus Christ in a powerful way. That's the most important relationship. Remember, the Jesus you and I are celebrating this Christmas time, it said right at the beginning, right at the beginning, that we, and Jesus, these are the words of Jesus, you shall first of all love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Then you love your neighbor as yourself. So first of all, we're called to love God. So this Christmas time, I hope your turkey is very crispy or your nut roast is soft and succulent and moist. I hope your roast potatoes are golden brown. But you know what I really hope? I hope you and I see the face of Jesus Christ this Christmas. And that we will have an experience with him. As we read his word, or we listen to worship, or we pray, or we talk about him to whoever we're with. I hope we'll all sense there's someone more around the table than just the people we see. That there's an unseen guest at our Christmas meal. That there's a silent listener as we gather together in the evening. And his name is Jesus. If this is strange to you, 
if this is new to you, let me quote this final scripture. This is the very first Bible verse I was ever shared with when I was a teenager. A man called Tim Brown from Bandon in West Cork shared this to me. I wasn't a Christian. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you think the shepherds had eternal life? Yes, they did. You can't worship God like that and not have eternal life. Do you think perhaps the wise men had eternal life? Yes, absolutely. When you seek Jesus and he comes in that way, you're going to have eternal life. All of the people we read, Simeon, Anna, all of them, they all came to know Jesus. They all have eternal life. So if you're here today and maybe your family or friends brought you in and this is new, can I appeal to you that you give a little bit of thought this Christmas time to what it actually is all about. The one who so loved you and so loved me that he gave his only son. God took on human flesh in the form of Jesus and he gave his life for us. So coming together for Christmas, races come together, generations come together. No matter what our status is, whatever our class background is, it doesn't really matter. We come together before Jesus. But if we don't have Jesus, it's just a social experiment. If we have Jesus, his blood is the, is the binding between us all. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray in just a moment that your Christmas would know the peace of God, that you would find peace with God yourself. You might say, I'm a Christian. Like Joseph said, sometimes our faith gets mechanical and we kind of lose sight. Let's pray that everyone here will have the peace of God this Christmas, whether it's for the very first time or it's continuing. I pray that your physical family, that you'll have peace and I'll have peace with my family. We need that, don't we? Let's not have an EastEnders drama in our family this Christmas. All right? Let's have peace. Amen? And I pray that the real family, the family of God, that we would have peace with those who God is raising up of a different race, of a different age, of a different background. If God so loved the world, he so loved your world and my world this Christmas. Will you stand with me? We're going to sing the words of the song. Let's throw it up. For God so loved the world. We'll sing it and then we pray. Joseph. For God so loved the world That he gave his only son That whosoever believes will not pay
and I shall hold to God alone for his love has salvaged me yes his love has set me free for God for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes will not perish they shall have eternal life some of us need to make our peace with God here today I'm not going to call anyone up but I am going to ask everyone to close their eyes. Whether it's your very first time praying this, or you found that the year has been so busy, maybe your focus isn't what it should be. Either way, if you want to know that deep peace, it's as deep as it can get. The peace of God when the Holy Spirit floods your soul. If that's your prayer for yourself this Christmas, would you lift up your hand? see loads of hands going up in the name of Jesus I pray that on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday all this coming week that like Simeon you would have a revelation that you would hear a promise from heaven and that peace would flood your mind, your soul, and your heart, and that you would be able to sit silently and without moving before the one who created you and knit you in your mother's womb, and that you would breathe in life, and that death would not harm you. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray the deepest peace for everyone who raised their hands for the first time or whether it's an older prayer we pray peace of God into your life in Jesus name for those of us who want peace in our family or peace with our friends and we're just praying God would you protect my family and my friends or whether it's there is an issue and I'm going to pray peace into it we don't need to differentiate but if that's you would you lift your hand you want to pray for peace in your family or in your circle of friends. Okay, I see loads of hands coming up. We're going to pray over you. We're going to ask you to leave your seat as we sing the chorus again. And we're going to lay hands and pray for you. Can we sing the song as you guys come to the top and we pray? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whosoever believes will not perish, they shall have eternal life for God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Can I ask you guys to lift up your hands and put your family, 
your friends. Could the prayer and care team come forward and lay hands on our brothers and sisters here? We want to pray that when an argument starts rising up, that the Holy Spirit will stop it. When an attitude starts coming into your home, around your table, that the Lord would stop it. So in the name of Jesus, as we lift up our family, and we see their faces now, as we lift up our friends, our Christian friends, we pray shalom into our Christmas. Shalom, peace of God into every word, every thought and every deed. We say to the evil one, hands off our family, hands off our friends. We declare the peace of God that passes all understanding is our inheritance and our promise. And we pray that into our homes and into our relationships this Christmas. So as our hands are raised, we receive the promise of God and we bring that atmosphere of peace and of blessing with us around the table and to every face we encounter and every family member and friend we speak to. We pray this in the Christmas and the year of our Lord 2019 and we pray as the Bible instructs us in Jesus name and God's people said I believe the Lord is saying to someone that there is an ongoing strain, uh, a damaged relationship. Maybe you're up here, maybe you're down there. And that's the word of knowledge. The word of wisdom is, and it's a hard word, but if you're mature, you'll accept it. Your pride is standing in the way of God bringing peace into that relationship. You've become proud about that issue. And the Lord is challenging you here today. Let go and let God. Because your pride will not bring life, it will only bring death. I'm going to ask everyone in the hall, on stage and off stage, close your eyes just for the moment. And I'm not going to call anyone up, but you have to acknowledge this before God. Because that relationship will not be rescued if you leave this place with your pride. I'm not going to tell anyone, I can't even see faces but I can see if a hand is up. If that's you and you want to acknowledge that to God, slip up your hand. Okay. Okay, I respect that. We have about six people put their hands up. Seven, eight. In Jesus' name, I declare that as these men and women have slipped up their hands, we remember and declare the scripture. God opposes the proud but you bring grace to the humble. With that hand going up, oh God, it was the first sign of a humility coming into that issue, that relationship. And so right now, oh God, as our brothers and sisters have acknowledged to you that they have been proud, I pray, Lord, you would meet them more than halfway and you would give them a grace and you would give them a courage and you would give them the words and the attitude to make peace in their relationships and that that would happen this Christmas. We pray it in Jesus' name. Will anyone say amen? And I believe God is saying one more thing before we close. And that is, some of you here are going into a situation this Christmas 
and there's an issue with others, not with you. And the Lord is saying, you are the catalyst. You are the peacemaker going into that strain, that issue, that fight, that, that terrible anxiety that's going on in your family, your circle of friends. You're the peacemaker. And I want to pray that God would bless you. So if you okay and you just, just where you stand, want to put up your hand, you know you're going to be the peacemaker. Would you put up your hand wherever you are in the hall? There's hands going up. May the peace of God that passes all understanding be your identity this Christmas. May you bring that atmosphere of peace into every room you enter. And that when you are with family, relations, or friends, I pray that that deep peace, even the bridge maker that Jesus Christ is, would be who you are. And that God would greatly use you to take the tension and the hurt and the misunderstanding and the anger out of that situation. Peace of God upon you. And may you be blessed as you go as a peacemaker this Christmas. In Jesus' name and God's people said. Yeah. Will we give these guys a round of applause? We respect your courage. Let's stay in the presence of God for two more minutes. Let's stay standing. Can we sing this beautiful song? Because the verses are powerful. And if this is our experience this Christmas, we'll see blessing all over. Let's do it before Michael closes in prayer. For God so loved the world. I shall wait upon the Lord. I shall wait upon His word. For by His grace I am released. By His grace I am redeemed. For God, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That that he gave, he 
Lord, in the midst of all of the giving and of the receiving, Lord, we pray this year that we wouldn't forget that you gave your only son and that we have received forgiveness and eternal life. Let that be the helmet of salvation we wear upon our heads as we go into the coming week, Lord. We ask your blessing, your protection, your provision would rest upon your people richly all of this coming week. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said a final. God bless you, brothers and sisters. We're serving tea and coffee upstairs. We're going to begin again here at 12 o'clock. God bless you. And don't forget we're here on Christmas Eve at 12 noon. God bless and go with you.